everyone to another edition of the Sports Medicine Update, the weekly podcast by yours truly featuring the Honorable Dr. Chad Patrolman. Doctor, how are you? Doing great, Jerry. How about you? I'm doing fantastic. It's a heat wave that we are experiencing here in the Chicagoland area. I'm sure in other parts of the country and around the globe, they're all from one end of the spectrum to the other end of the spectrum people are experiencing different levels of uh, the weather but here in chicago the chicagoland area 90 degree temperatures heat index over 100 but uh you got the air conditioning going you're feeling nice and cool that's for sure yep absolutely <laughs> so as far as the world of sports is concerned doctor there's a lot of heating up going on in the national football league of course the nba with the uh, the bubble down in Orlando. Uh, baseball certainly is ready to kick things off with the start of the regular season. A week away, July 23rd, 24th, they're going to be opening up things. National Football League, there's some speculation going on there. And, of course, golf, uh, Tiger Woods was playing out in uh, Muirfield, uh, Ohio, this past weekend. And, of course, NASCAR and horse racing is going. So the Normalcy, as far as the sports world is concerned, doctor, seems like we're inching closer and closer to that, um, although numbers around the country has been spiking regarding coronavirus and uh, uh, COVID-19. But as far as the sports world is concerned, I, I, I think all the leagues can say they're doing the best they possibly can in trying to keep a, uh, a grasp on this thing and, and, and keep it contained. Uh, baseball, interesting. The numbers that uh, this past week regarding the testing over 10,000 baseball players in a major league level have been tested with a mere six percent uh, actually six cases coming back positive less than one percent regarding the uh the positive testing for major league baseball so they're they're looking really really good doctor what were your thoughts on the numbers that came out this past week well i tell you i have i have mixed thoughts on it i mean first of all so I think it's good, and it would be a very long discussion, and maybe not for this venue, but um, uh, the, the so so here's the thing. I think the low number is a good thing. Okay. But if the number had been much higher, mm-hmm. I think that'd be a good thing too, because uh-huh. because let's say the number were fifteen percent, which is kind of what it is in Sweden. Well, we know from some studies, recent study from the Karolinska Institute in Sweden, um, that that the total immunity is twice that, T-cell immunity, cellular immunity. So they, what we test for is antibodies, but cellular immunity seems to be about twice that. Very good study came out a couple of weeks ago. It's all over the internet. So that would mean that there was a 30% immunity rate. Well, um, people talk about herd immunity er, sort of eradicating the virus and if you get there. Uh, but the thing is, what people don't talk about is that if you get something less than full herd immunity, full herd immunity is maybe 67, 60 or 70%. But if you have 10, 20, 30%, um, and many people now think herd immunity is only in the 40s. Uh, you know, we discussed this before. Anyway, so what that does is it bends the curve. So if 30% of the baseball players were immune mm-hmm. and happily, you know, nobody's gotten really sick, that would mean that contagion among them would be, would be greatly mitigated. You know, so that if something did happen to get out there, the spread would be significantly less. The way it is now, it's good that people don't have it. But um, it also kind of means that the potential for maybe a little more rapid spread is there. 
So I don't know. I, I think it's good news. But like I said, if it were higher, I think that would be good news too. Well, I, I think from your the medical perspective, you, you're, you're probably dead on. Uh, but again, from a, uh, a late person's perspective or, you know, a, a ranking official or front office person, whether it's a major league baseball, the NBA, NHL, or, or the National Football League, they, they want the numbers to be low because if you get a high number, Doc, whether it's a 10%, 20%, 30%, you know, it's, it's as if you run a higher risk of these players um, or some players coming out on, on the bad side of this thing. And that's what the leagues are looking to avoid. Uh, they, they, they don't want – because when we look across the, the spectrum as far as you know, the general society – you know, you got people who are asymptomatic, but you got people who, you know, have passed away from it, unfortunately. And you have people who are on vet, uh, respirators. And, and we know the numbers that are, in, are escalating in parts of the country, where it's whether it's Arizona, California, Texas, or, or Florida. And so when you look at the, uh, the league's perspective, they want the numbers low because, God forbid, uh, you know, any of these players who have, you know, come down, you know, with a positive test, that they're hospitalized or, or even worse. And of course, you don't want them to take it home to their families, uh, whether they're gonna be you know, uh, in a bubble for two, three months or what have you. So uh, from their perspective, they're happy that the numbers are, are really, really low, less than 1%. But I do understand your-, your I mean, I, Let me just say, I agree with everything you said, and I know they're happy, and I'm glad that they succeeded, and it shows that they're doing what they're doing well. The only point I disagree with is mm-hmm. that if the number were higher of people that were already infected, it wouldn't increase the chances of rapid spread later. It would decrease the chances mm-hmm. because that would mean that there were fewer people who could get it and take it elsewhere. That's the only thing that concerns me a little bit is right. that if you've got a large population where almost nobody's infected, mm-hmm. the chances of it spreading more rapidly later are maybe a little higher. But uh, but hey, I you know. I think, I think things are good, so yeah, I'm yeah. happy with them. But, but again, when you look at it, you know, for in mainstream America, you know, or the mainstream society, uh, again, when when you have refrigerator t- trucks being driven in in particular uh, areas of the the country because of the bodies that are stacking up, um, I mean, how do you, how do you defend you know that perspective? How do you defend that you know that premise that you know more is better, so to speak? Um, because, you know, you take New York, for example, mm. where they exposed old people early and they, you know, didn't know, I guess. Um, so they've got 32,000 deaths there. And uh, Florida right now has four because they did the, because they did protect old people early. And now they have cases. But the the death rate is up some, but nowhere near what it was in New York at the time. And the idea is that if you get cases among young, healthy people, that you won't get the deaths. I mean, for example, school children, there's several studies that have shown, um, that's why in Europe, you know, the kids are all back in school. There's a study in uh, Wales, there's another one in the UK. And it's really interesting. They found that kids don't seem to spread this disease. They found, there was a study that showed that in flu cases, 57%, I think of the cases had a a young person as the original nidus. And in COVID-19, it's just, it's single digits. So the idea is kids don't seem to spread it almost ever. They did this study. They took three kids in Wales um, and followed all of their contacts who were infected a few months ago, 1,000 contacts. Mm-hmm. Nobody got it. 
There was another study, um, double digits kids. So the idea is that if you get the young, healthy people, if they get it, that, you know, the death rate is less for COVID-19 than it is for the flu. And then you are getting all these immune people who won't spread it um, later. So that's the idea. Don't encourage it to spread because you can overwhelm hospitals. Um, and I don't want to repeat what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, but, um, um, but you can control cases, mitigate deaths. Um, and, and I think that that's even where it has spiked are not spiking anywhere near what they did at these other places. So anyway. Well, you know, so doc, let's move forward. And you know, again, baseball, we're basically a week away from the regular season, as we know, at 60 game schedule to, to, to take place uh, starting on Saturday and Sunday of next week. And again, baseball is looking good. All the other sports are, or leagues are looking at baseball to kind of monitor how they progress. In particular, we talk about the National Football League. Uh, the, the training camp is supposed to get underway at the end of the month, July 31st. And of course, the talk now over the past week or 10 days um, has been, will there be a preseason? Now, we know that they, prior to COVID-19 and the pandemic, that there are negotiations on uh, uh, shortening preseason to two games and extending the regular season to 17 games. Now, uh, currently during the, the, the COVID and coronavirus pandemic, um, the talk again is, do we just eliminate or do, does the league eliminate preseason to try to protect these players and just get into the start of the regular season come September? Uh, what have you heard and what are your thoughts regarding that? So, I, you know, I followed this. I have maybe a little bit different point of view than what's been out there. Um, so I have to tell you, maybe it's because I'm a physician and I take care of these kinds of people. Mm -hmm. But the thing that I care about more than anything, honestly, is just the health of these players. You know, I mean, so there's there's three parties. There's players, there's owners, there's fans. And so, you know, the, the players are the most important people to me, I think. Um, the, you know, the, the fans... I'm a fan, but fans can, they can go, they can not, not go. They've got complete freedom to do what they want to do. Um, you know, I think the owners one way or another, things are going to work out. So here's the thing that I think, um, you know, the NFL, when it first started was, uh, in back in whatever it was, 1924 or something was, um, was 12 games. Briefly went down to 10 during World War II, but it was 12 for a while. And then it went up to 14, I think in 1960 and then eventually to 16 and now to 17. And they used to play, as you know, um, six preseason games. So, you know, it was 14 plus six or 16, um, I don't know if it was 16 plus six, but anyway, so they're playing about 20 games. I think it's 14 plus six and then 16 plus four, whatever. Um, so here's the thing. Football, you know, it's just, it's dangerous sport. And um, as people have gotten bigger and faster, it's gotten more dangerous, actually. I think the, what's been done to make it safer is great. But every game that you play is just another opportunity to get hurt. And so... You know, people had talked about increasing it to 18 games, and it's it's just a lot of games. Um, so what I think is this. It's interesting, Matt Nagy, you know, kind of, I don't know if he started a trend, but he's a big proponent of it, although he might be having to backtrack, where um, he didn't, you know, he famously didn't play Mitch Trubisky basically at all, um, right. but he didn't play his people during the four preseason games. So here's what I think wouldn't be a bad thing. Um mm -hmm. The problem with – so I – look, if you could keep it 17 games and get rid of all the preseason games, I think that would be great, except for one thing. And that, that is that, as you know, the league, the owners, everybody relies on revenue from that because you know how it goes. Fans are forced to buy these things. So, so 
the thing is, if you could get rid of those games, I think it'd be great. But you can't, I don't think, get rid of those games without decreasing a revenue. And if you decrease revenue, um, then the players are going to have to take less money. I mean, I, I, I don't see how else you can do the math. And I don't think the players are going to want to take less money. I, you know, I, I, I don't blame them. But I don't think you can get, you know, maybe this year is an exception. But going forward, I don't think you can get rid of preseason games without decreasing revenue. So what does that mean? That means that these players who have short careers, and, you know, there's, there's some of them, Patrick Mahomes makes all kinds of money, right? But most guys don't. I mean, they make good money. But um, so, so what I think is, if you get rid of preseason games and decrease revenue, then the players are making less money. But, you know, if you keep talking about next year, say, if you keep the preseason games, I think you could probably keep the revenue where it is. But, and here's kind of the interesting part, I think. Um, but if the trend continues that the players just don't play in these games, you know, like with the Bears, we watched it last year. You're look, you're looking at the third string players, and you're, you know, you're, you're. Those games really were about the back end of the roster, which can be kind of interesting, actually. So think about this: if you got 20 games in a year, you know, 17 plus three or 21, 17 plus four, let's just say. But the players, so you keep the preseason games, you keep the revenue the same, but you just don't play the frontline players in those games. Then those games are played mostly by people that aren't going to be playing later. So it's kind of good for them. They get to showcase their talents. They get to make a little money. Right. So the players get to make the same amount of money, but play fewer games. So, you know, they're, they're getting paid for not playing, which I think is good for them. And I think it's good for their bodies, basically, the preseason games. But if you get rid of them, then they're playing fewer games, which is good, but they're getting less money, which means they've ultimately got to play more games you know, on the back end. So, you know, maybe instead of playing four years, they got to play a fifth year to get more games. So it increases their risk for the same money. What do you think? Well, no, no. Well, they already just had the collective bargaining agreement, Doc. And uh, so you know that they uh, they, they, they have reduced the uh, the number of preseason games, but they're also uh, adding uh, the game on the back end, uh, plus increase the playoffs. So they found a way to balance the players they really don't get a game check, a regular season game check until the season gets underway. So they don't get that. They don't get that amount of revenue during those preseason games. Um, so it's almost uh, it's almost meaningless for for those starters. I.e., you talk about a Tom Brady, you know, or uh, now Patrick Mahomes or or those types. The preseason game, uh, and you talked about it. You're right. It, it, it was at six games, you know, way back when we were kids. Um, and you do remember. Uh, you know, training camp teams, the Bears, they would go two a days, um, and 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 management owners found that in doing that, uh, you're you're <laughs> you're you're wearing down your players because they're beating each other up in the the, the heat like we're experiencing now, 90 degree temperatures, two a days. They're getting hurt. They're dehydrated. They're 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 collapsing. They're passing out. And by the time the regular season gets underway. Some of those guys are already banged up, and within you know uh, four or five, six games, you got guys on IR. So owners over the years say, "Wait a minute, if I'm investing money in this product, I'm not going to overextend them and have those, my guys beating each other up and not prepare for the regular season. Hence, we don't make the playoffs and we don't obtain our goal of getting to the 
the championship and Super Bowl and winning. So that's when you start to factor in the four games of the preseason, right? Now you're down to two seasons in the pregame. And uh, players, and Matt Nagy did agree and admit that he made a mistake in not playing Mitchell Trubisky last season, a lot of his starters during the preseason, um, because as we saw, the Bears weren't prepared for the regular season. So he did admit that he made a mistake, but a lot of players, coaches are saying, hey, wait a minute, I'm not going to play my, my guys for four games because it makes no sense. Now, uh, you say if a, uh, you know, a 60, a 60 man roster and you pretty much have 45 guys who, you know, who are going to make the team because they're on the contract or because of whatever the case may be. So the preseason games are designed to fill that role of another 10, maybe 12 players. And of course the practice squad players of another, you know, eight to 10 players as well. So you don't necessarily need to play your starters, but you do need to get them football physically ready for the regular season and teams that have done that wisely and precisely we see longevity as far as the season is concerned and going to the playoffs and hence winning the, the Super Bowl. Um, but the, 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 the re elimination of preseason games, it's on the docket as far as the two sides are concerned, the, the players association and the, and the, and the league itself. Um, so the revenue that is generated it does not correspond to the revenue of the regular season. Yeah, but Jerry, those players, those game checks that they get when they play in, in games, um, they get, say you get a million bucks a year, right? right. Um, right. If the preseason is eliminated, the owners right. make less money. So that million dollar check for that guy is going to be 800000 That's what I'm saying, or 900000 Doc, they're putting it on the back end, meaning the playoffs, because they have they add, they add uh, more teams to the playoff. They add another week of playoffs to extend that toward the role. Right, sure, but still in all. So they're they're going to make that money on the back end. They, they are, but still in all, at the end of the day, you'll have another round of playoffs, I recognize, another regular season game, I right. recognize, and the preseason is whatever it is. And what I'm saying is, say it's three games, if you get rid of those three games, even though they've got the back end, it's just less revenue because the, the total revenue is the sum of the preseason, the regular season, and the playoffs. So you get rid of that those games at the front end, the total amount of revenue that the owners have is less, and they're not going to do that unless the players agree to take less money because there's just well, less. I'm going to agree to disagree with you because if you if you look at two preseason home games for the Bears, okay, that stadium holds probably um, 62,000 to 67,000, give or take, right? Uh, you know, every every home game that they have. For the preseason games, the Bears are probably going to get half of that fan base inside of that, that, that stadium over on the lakefront. So let's say they get 35,000 to 40,000 fans. And that's to me, that's pushing it. But those are two preseason games um, that they're going to be under their, their ticket sales and their concession stand, their concession sales and their parking sales. Whereas on the back end, you make the playoffs, and the Bears are in the playoffs. They win the NFC, you know, uh, NFC North Division or whatever. Now you got 67,000 plus fans in that stadium, so your 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 revenue is going up because of those ticket sales plus the concessions and the, and, the, and the parking. I do understand what you're saying, but that's not a difference as far as uh, salaries for players are concerned because well, that. Sorry. So you get, I understand what you're saying. You, 
take away a preseason and put in a playoff, and maybe the net is higher. Um, but all I'm saying is that those games, as you point out, they get ticket sales because they force people to buy tickets. You know, whether they come or not, they got to buy them. They got to pay for them. So they force people to buy tickets, and the people that come spend money, and then they get TV money for those things too. Right. So all I'm saying is you get rid of those games, and there's there's just less revenue. No matter what, all else equal, you get rid of revenue. And if you get rid of revenue, the owners will never agree to it unless the players agree to take less. And what I'm saying is if I were a player, if I can keep those preseason games and I'm not playing, I'm getting paid for not playing, which is exactly what I want. Well, they've cut a deal already. They, they, they cut a deal um, uh, moving forward. And I think it's a 10-year deal that's put into place. And some of the current players, there are a lot of veteran players who are upset with the deal, Doc, because they, they, they told the younger guys, and I don't have the exact numbers. I don't know if it was uh, uh, 57 to 43 or something, but the number, they weren't that far off, to be honest with you. Um, but the owners prevailed, and some of the veteran players were frowning and saying, this is a, it's a, it's a bad move when you talk about longevity over a 10 year span, because the numbers, as you well know, they may look good today in 2020, but in 2030, for the guy who's coming up through the ranks, they're gonna look back on it and say, this was a very, very bad deal that was And I agree, I think those players are right, because yeah, right. I think I think that you get, an, so basically, what is it three preseason games? Is that what the deal is going forward? For like for next year, if we get back to normal? Uh, they increased down to two as opposed to four. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they increased regular season from 16 to 17. Right. And I'm not right. sure if the preseason goes from four to three. I think three, it does. I believe sure. it's three, yeah. All right. yeah. So whatever it is, um, let's just say it's 17 and three. So I agree with those players because I that extra game, they've got to play. And and I know the whole Matt Nagy thing. So Matt Nagy's had to backtrack because the season was, you know, they underperformed last year. So he's oh, had to say I made a mistake. But as you pointed out, even though he's having to backtrack, <clears throat> I think a lot of the other coaches are not. I think a lot of the other coaches are saying, hey, Matt Nagy had kind of, you know, had 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 kind of a, a good thing. And so, but but either way, you know, veteran players, if you say if you're 16 regular season, four preseason, and I think those players can exert pressure too. I think they can just say, hey, you know, I'm just not really interested in doing this. And I think they can finesse it so that um so that their total stress on their bodies is you know, is less. I mean, even the extra playoff thing, I guess that's okay because it's the playoffs and you're making money. But I just think those preseason games are an opportunity for them to contribute to the revenue pot. And and so, so you know, I mean, the net thing is that the good players, I mean, David Montgomery last year, I don't know if he played hardly at all. And he probably won't play hardly at all in this in the preseason. Why should he, right? So, so he could do 16 and four, you know, playing 16, four sit out pretty much. But now he's got to play 17. And that's just one more game, you know, guys like him. And I think that's bad for him. I think it's bad for these players. Um, you know, is it the end of the world? No, but you know, it's just, it's creeping, right? You know, it's gone from 12 to 14 to 16 to 17 and, and, and they have no choice but to play. And I understand the deal is done. Um, but um, I'm just saying that, you know, I, I think that, that that, that that preseason with back of the roster guys is like a separate, you know, it's like it's like a separate team, separate season, market it that way and let these guys save their bodies. 
No, I, I, I agree with you. And that's that's the whole reason why they negotiate to, to try to figure out a happy medium. And um, that's the beauty of you know the business side of, of athletics on a level because, you, you know, you're looking out for the best interest of the of the player, the product. But you're also, you know, looking at the best interest of the sport of the game itself. And a lot of fans, you talked about the three components, owners, players, and fans. Uh, fans have been complaining over the past few years and actually kind of leaving the game because of the, 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 the poor play, whether it's poor tackling, whether it's poor play calling, or, or, or you know, injuries that contributed to, you know, uh, the, the, the downside of the, of the sport, um, it, it, that's one reason one side would agree that preseason is very important. Now, keep in mind, these players don't want to play four preseason games. Um, and the rule of thumb is to get in the third preseason game so that you can get as close as game, live game action that you possibly can prior to the start of the regular season. Uh, most teams and most players, they seem to play themselves into shape between week one and week five. From week six to week nine, maybe 10, is when these teams really start to get their groove. By week 11, they're in position to position themselves for a playoff push. But typically, the first four games of the regular season, you can, and some players will admit to it, other players will disagree. But a lot of them, it appears that they are playing themselves into football shape. Because again, you know, lifting weights and running sprints or whatever is one thing, but to actually get your body accustomed to getting physically hit and hitting the ground and jumping up, and that's called football shape. And they don't want to necessarily get it during the preseason, i.e., they may get hurt. But those first four games during the regular season is when they start to get themselves into that physical conditioning as far as their bodies are concerned for, for, for the pounding, the, the continuous pounding and the grinding. Um, so uh, there will be sides that say, you know, we still need the preseason games to get acclimated to the regular season. Um, but there are others that say, hey, you know what, I, I get in condition during week one. I don't want to go through the preseason. As far as Matt Nagy is concerned, he admitted, yes, he made a mistake by not playing Mitchell Trubisky and, and, and some of his other starters. I believe other coaches around the league and players themselves, our own Quentin Demps was on the show, said a former 10-year player in the National Football League, he said, you need the preseason. You need it for the reasons I just mentioned. Um, you just got to get ready for the regular season. Uh, so I can guarantee you there are a few coaches around the league that disagree with Mac Nagy's approach, but we're happy that the Bears did that because that set them a game or two behind the, the pendulum, so to speak, in preparation for the regular season. But I do see where I see. I see your, your reasoning and your, your analogy behind it um, from an economic standpoint. Um, but I just think I, these guys, I just think they get beaten up too much. And, and what you said is very true. And you don't beat them up as much in the uh, in the preseason, and I think you know that that's a good thing. Yeah, I just think it's I, I just think you get to a point where injuries get to be inevitable um, if, if these guys play too much. No, I, I it's it's it, we also have to keep in mind the life expectancy of a professional football player. It's gone from three and a half years to two and a half years because Is of that the, right? I didn't know that. Wow, how interesting. Wear and tear. Yeah. Um, Tellus Bennett, former Bears tight end. Um, under the Trustman era, 
he, he got fined and suspended for slamming Kyle Fuller down in his rookie year doing mm-hmm. a training camp at Platteville. Not Platteville, I'm sorry, uh, Bourbon A. I'm, I'm, I'm dating myself here. <laughs> Bourbon A. Marcellus- you shouldn't say Rensselaer. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but Martellus Bennett, you know, he told the media, he said, hey, listen, he goes, I'm trying to get my body in the football shape. I'm trying to get mentally and physically ready. He said, because this is a violent sport. And he goes, the guys on the other teams, on the other side of the football, he said, they're trying to kill me. This is what he addressed the media. He goes, they're trying to kill me. So I have to get my body physically ready for this 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 grind. It's a very violent sport, but I have to get mentally ready for it. And that's the mentality of these players uh, when they when they approach this game at this level, because it's it's you know it's survival of the fittest, so to speak. Um, and from a fan's perspective, they're not happy because the league is interfering too much in trying to police everything that's going on, um, including when we talk about COVID and you know, protecting the players, it doesn't make sense. And we talked about this on the previous podcast. Anybody missed it, they can certainly uh, go to YouTube, Facebook, uh, and just Google the sports medicine update. But we talked about three hours of grinding and pounding and sweating and spitting and blood, you know, all of this going on. But then at the end of the game, two players can't exchange jerseys because it yeah. increased the yeah. risk of, yeah. of COVID. Yeah. That makes no sense to the fan. It no. doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if they're going to, you know, I mentioned last week, I kind of expect them to, to walk that back, but I, at least I haven't seen anything about yeah, it. Yeah, I haven't heard anything else, but I, 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 I like, I, I, I like what you, you, you said, and who knows, maybe the next time the collective bargaining agreement comes up that, you know, this will be put on the table, but, um, you know, right now players are looking to, uh, you know, it's just like our, 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 the generation that we're living in, the society that we're living in now, it's, uh, uh, immediate gratification. They want it now. And these players in the National Football League, they wanted the money now, not thinking about the longevity 10 years down the road, how that's going to affect their their fellow man, their, you know, their fellow uh, players coming up through the ranks, right? You know, uh, high school ranks and collegiate ranks. And it's kind of disappointing. And sometimes I think you need to listen to, uh, you know, the veterans who've been there. And of course, the veteran players who are making you know, big money, they're making big money for a reason, and they're veterans in this in this game and in this league for a reason. Um, and I think as a union, uh, some of those younger players who are probably not making as much money should sit back and listen. Um, and it's interesting you talk about that, J.J. Watt. The Houston Texans said, you know, the National Football League right now, we're not really comfortable with where things stand as far as resuming the season or getting the season underway if there's going to be preseason games or if we're going to jump right into the regular season. And he's got a lot, a lot of support from uh, some current players. Over 100 players were on a, a Zoom uh, call this past week. And that was one of the major points uh, addressed during their, their conversation, whether or not the National Football League will have preseason games or are they just going to get right into it in September. Your thoughts on that? No, I agree with you. I mean, I think I think for right now, probably less is more. And I think things are going to get better on multiple fronts with this virus. I mean, the the vaccine news from this last week were, <laughs> were stunning. Um, the um, 
the one vaccine, I can't think of where it's from. The other, it was the second one from Oxford. And so, you know, and we don't know. We don't know if we're going to get a good vaccine, but preliminarily, it looks really good pretty soon, uh, perhaps, you know, maybe end of the year. Um, and then, and then in the treatment front too, you know, there's uh, rem, remdesivir is working, um, uh, hydroxychloroquine, there's evidence that it works. There was a, there's, there's, there's so many drugs in the pipeline and a lot of them, there's actually a cholesterol drug that looks good. There's a lot of drugs. So I think that on the treatment end and on the vaccine end that we're going to be doing, I think we already are doing a lot better. So, you know, you can argue what's the rush to get back to everything right now, you know, because pretty soon, uh, certainly next year and maybe later this year, we're going to be in, in good shape. Well, I hope we're going to be in good shape. And Doc, uh, we're, we're running short on time, but I have to show you. This is my weekend version of the Chicago Daily Herald. I like to talk about the local newspaper here in the Chicagoland area and the article uh, football for voting. The yeah. Chicago Land Youth League cancels their fall season, Doc. Yeah. And uh, this thing has been going on for over 30 something years, I believe. Yeah. And it, it, it's unfortunate. And we're talking, this is like Pop Warner football. So we're right. talking about kids who are preparing for, you know, high school and, of course, moving on to college. But Pop Warner football around the Chicago Land area has been canceled. Um, and it's, it's sitting shockwaves across the you know, the sports world, because locally we're saying now, hey, wait a minute, does this mean high school football is going to be canceled? We're seeing what happened, what's transpiring in the collegiate levels where the Ivy League said, we're not playing football at all. The Big Ten Conference said, we're just going to concentrate on the conference games. And we know that the Pac-10, the ACC, the SEC are looking at things as well. But when you see youth football like this being canceled because of the scare of the pandemic, what does this look like for high school sports locally and around the nation from your perspective? Well, this might be too long a discussion for a couple of minutes, but sure. I, I think, I think the kids need to be back in school. American Academy of Pediatrics thinks kids have to be in school. Every physician I know thinks kids have to be back in school. So I guess from my perspective, you know, I think get the kids in school and, you know, if, if maybe, Canceling the sports makes, and not everybody feels as I do, maybe the people who are more worried about it think, well, all right, we'll let them be back in school, but let's cancel the sports because it increases the risk, which it probably does of contagion, depending on what you think about that. So um, as important as it is, uh, to me right now, I just want to see them be in the classroom. And if sports makes people nervous and they don't do it, you know, right now, um, it, not not as big a, a deal to me. So you don't think it's a contradiction? We're gonna we're gonna wipe out sports because of the pandemic, but it's okay to get in the classroom and, and study. So here's the thing, Jerry. The more contact there is, the more contagion there is. Right. And sort of the 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 idea and the whole herd immunity idea is that you you don't just tell everybody go out in a big stadium and forget social distancing. The mm -hmm. idea is that be careful where you can but take care of the old and sick people and prioritize. So do I think it's a contradiction? Not really, because I think that the more time you spend together, the higher the risk. And for people who are worried about it, I'm not so much because all the data on kids I think is good, but I don't know, you know, I think that, I think that it's a reasonable compromise to make, I guess is what I'm saying, because mm -hmm. there's a lot of polarization on this. 
to people that say, all right, let's just focus on getting those kids in school. Let's focus on protecting at-risk teachers, you know? Um, and then if we're not doing sports, if that makes people more comfortable, um, I, I don't think it's a contradiction. Um, I mean, I think it'd probably be okay, but I think that the people who don't feel that it's safe could make the argument, well, school is bad enough, and now you're gonna put sports on top of that. Does that increase the risk of, of contagion? It does. So, you know, you can argue that the contagion in these kids doesn't really much matter, right. but not everybody thinks that. So if you think it does matter, then tell those people, I think, say, look, I know you're concerned and I understand why you're concerned, but let's just do the school thing, take our risks there. And for the other stuff, um, it's, you know, it's terrible choirs, right? I mean, choirs, bands and all that. Um, there's thoughts about choirs being bad places, you know, for obvious reasons and all that. So as far as I'm concerned, I just don't want a generation of kids to fall behind and right. especially poor kids, right? Cause this hits poor kids a heck of a lot worse. So I just want those kids in school. And if you sacrifice some of this, um, to assuage fears of people, I think it's bad, but you know, I I'd rather do without high school football for a, you know, for a semester or a year than school. Right. No, I, I, I hear you, doctor. And hopefully the model that's being uh, uh, implemented and used as far as the sports world is concerned, whether it's the bubble down in Orlando or, or maybe baseball isolating these. I don't know if you heard this, but I came across uh, earlier today what a Toronto Blue Jays, the Canadian government told Toronto, the Blue Jays, the baseball team, you're not playing any sports here. It's oh, not no? happening. No. Oh, I didn't hear yeah. that. This has thrown a, a, a monkey wrench in, you know, baseball's comeback because what happens to the Toronto Blue Jays? Do they not get a chance to participate in a 60-game shortened season? Wow. Uh, they travel here to the States and, and they're put up their house someplace because the, the, the government in Canada will not allow them to play sports up in there. That is – that's, that's – that's – unbelievable it's phenomenal and uh, we're going to be learning more about that decision that came down but uh i know that you know local governments and organizations uh you know around this country are, are keeping an eye on what happens with sports and again you know the the bubble uh for the nba major league baseball um what's going on there of course football is keeping an eye on things national hockey league are looking to try to get back but there's still um uh, people who are against players who are against uh, the return of it. So we're at a very uh, crucial stage as far as uh, the sports world is concerned, uh, our country is concerned, and, and this world is concerned. And uh, we don't know the answers. And we're, we're, we're going one step at a time, and one party may be the right answer, another part of the country it may not be the right answer, but um, we got to go about it smart, safe, and careful, and hope that you know, we get past this thing. But uh, doctor, is always a pleasure. If anyone wants to get a con in contact with you, they want to get a hold of you, how do they find you? So if you call our office, it's 847-699-6810. Um, you can email. And if, if listeners, viewers have questions to ortho, O-R-T-H-O at I-S-M-O-C. It's Illinois Sports Medicine and Orthopedic Centers, but ortho at I-S-M-O-C.net. And we're going to start doing some questions here in the near future. We'll, 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 do some on the air, answer what we can. We certainly will. Dr. Chad Podromas, Sports Medicine Update, the weekly podcast. It's a pleasure. Stay safe, Doc, and we'll talk with you next week. Great. Thanks, Jerry.